The Bible Study Podcast, episode 808. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of First Peter with chapter 3. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We're getting into chapter 3 here, and it's going to start with wives and husbands. Wives, in the same way, submit yourself to your own husbands so that If any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. I never look forward (laughs) to these particular verses that talk about wives submitting yourselves to husbands and husbands to wives because we tend to look into this with our cultural bias and say, well, how chauvinistic this is. Peter approaches it a little differently than Paul does. Paul's writings are a little harder, I think, for us to take. Peter is looking at this, first of all, as a married man versus Paul, who's a bachelor. But also, he has a specific thing in mind when he says, wives, submit to your husbands. He's specifically, it looks like, concerned about the women who have come to believe in Jesus, but the husband has not. And he's saying one of the ways to bring them to faith is that they see in you a godly woman, that they see in you how you behave, um, that you are and, and submissive is is a dangerous term because I think it's a term we take out of context to submit, to offer yourself to, that you are giving yourself to your husband, that you are living in a fashion that is giving. And I think the difference is when we take it out of context, I think we say as if somebody who's submitting is fading into the background. And I don't think that's what it's meant to be. I think it's mean to give all that you have to. And you know, remember we're told in Paul's letters that husbands should love their wives and lay the, down their lives for them like Jesus laid down his life for the church. That is challenging. Peter's going at this a little differently. But he talks about then adornment. He talks about beauty and it should not come from outward adornment. Now, he's telling this to wives. The same would be true for husbands, but he's probably not seeing that as an issue there that the husbands are as concerned about how they look. Now, I know that I am less concerned about how I look. I am told by my wife that I am less concerned by how I look, and that perhaps I should concern myself a little more about how I look and get rid of that sweatshirt that is old and ratty. But he is seeing that some of the women in the church 
are still keeping with some of the patterns of behavior that they had before, which is they're dressing up with the gold jewelry and fancy clothes and things like that. And he's saying that that shouldn't be your source of beauty. That is not where your worth comes from. And and that is true. And that's true on Instagram as it was true in first century church, that that should not be where our sense of worth comes from. It shouldn't be what I put on you as your sense of worth any more than it should be what you put on yourself as your sense of worth. And I think the problem that we see is that both of those things we have problems with, even today in this church, even today in this era, and especially online and when we're on Instagram and places like that, where beauty is craved and displayed and sought after, it can be easy to think that that's where our sense of worth comes from. And it shouldn't be. It isn't. That's not why a woman is valuable. It's not why a man is valuable. And so he's saying, remember that your sense of worth is your worth in God's sight. For this way, he then he talks about the women of the past and Sarah, who apparently also adorned herself in a humble fashion. I don't remember reading that one way or the other about Sarah, but Peter tells me that that's the case. And obeyed Abraham and, and called him her Lord. And that's going to be a little sensitive, I know, as I'm saying this. But Sarah did go along with things that Abraham told her, for instance, that God says we should get up and move to a place that is not our own, to a people that are not our own. We're leaving town, dear. I don't know where we're going, but God told me. Can you imagine how that conversation would go if you told your spouse, by the way, we're leaving tomorrow. We're leaving this place where all our family and friends are because God has told me I should go somewhere else. Sarah was incredibly trusting and obedient is the term that Peter uses, but I think it's more than that. I think she trusts that Abraham is providing leadership that is valid, that if Abraham says that God told him to do this, then God must have told him to do this. And so she goes, even when it's past logic, even when it's uncomfortable, she puts her faith in Abraham and what he is doing. Husbands in the same way, be considerate with your, live with your wives, treat them with great respect. Now, remember, this is a little weaker than Paul's lay down your life for them, but it's the same call. This doesn't water down what Paul is saying is that we're still not supposed to put ourselves first. Weaker partner. (laughs) I wonder if Peter got in trouble with that with his wife. I suspect that I might, but this treat them with respect is very countercultural to the time. I have to understand that in this time, it was common for a Roman man, for instance, to have his wife and his mistress and all of that. And as Christianity came in, it opposed that and said, no, there's the one woman in your life who is your wife, who you treat with respect, sounds to us very patronizing. But it would have been uncomfortable for a Roman man as it is uncomfortable for, for us to hear, but in the opposite direction. So remember that as you read some of these verses, that they were written in a time and place where they would have come off differently. They would have sounded differently to the hearers. So that nothing will hinder your prayers. It's an interesting thing that how you treat your wife is 
coupled with your prayers here, that part of how you treat your wife, how you treat the people around you is related to your relationship to God. And then finally, suffering for doing good. Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing for whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened, but in your heart revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from your body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Okay, that's rather a lot there. Let's look at this. So one of the things is Peter is talking about how we should behave, and specifically how should we should behave towards one another. Remember, he just said that if we treat our wives poorly, if we're not careful about that relationship, that is going to hinder our prayers. So he's talking about that what we do to each other, how we treat each other matters to our relationship to God and tells us to be like-minded, sympathetic, love one another, compassionate, and humble. Okay, Those are all things that I, th- I hope we can agree are characteristics of a mature Christian. Then we get into the harder part, which is don't repay evil with evil or insult with insult. Now, I want to do that, honestly. I want to repay insult with insult. There was a time in my life where I remember doing that. I try not to do that as much now. I understand that I should not do that that I try to be gracious towards those who may be having a bad day. I don't know why they're responding to this, or perhaps they are opposing me because of my faith. That's what Peter is talking about here in particular. Then he has this quote here from Psalms, this whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil on their lips from deceitful speech. In the letter to James, James talks about how hard it is to control what we say, that you can put a bit in a horse's mouth and guide it, but that the tongue can undo us. And we are not as careful about what we say as we should be, because we can do more harm with our words, I think, than we even realize. 
And he tells us to seek peace and pursue it. That when we're in that difficult situation where someone is angry with us, where someone has insulted us, where someone has done something wrong to us, that we should be seeking peace and restoration as God seeks peace and restoration. Hard things to do, not hard to hear, but hard to actually put into practice. He says, don't fear these threats. Don't fear when somebody harms us for doing good. And then this is an important verse that I've always thought is always be prepared to give an answer to everyone for the reason for the hope that you have. In other words, always be prepared to to give a defense of your faith or at least an explanation of your faith. This is why I'm behaving differently. Now, that works more effectively if you're behaving differently, right? If people see you and say, how can you be at peace in this difficult situation? How can you be so calm when he said that? How can you be so graceful when she did that? If we have actions that stand out and people wonder why we can do that, be prepared to say, it's because of my faith. With gentleness and respect. It's better to suffer for doing good than for evil. Certainly a phrase that has come up before in not just in First Peter, but in the Bible. We've read that before in other verses, in other books. And as Christ did, as Christ suffered for us, as Christ who was righteous took the suffering for us and by doing so saved us. And then there's this interesting and curious set of verses that Christ, after he uh, was killed, made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits. And we read this as Christ, when he went to hell because of his death on the cross, was preaching, was talking, was proclaiming the good news to those who were there. It's not something that comes up often in the Bible. It's an obscure verse. I wouldn't put a lot of your faith on that, but it is interesting that Peter tells us that this happened to those who were disobedient in the days of Noah, that Jesus went and did something, that he made proclamation to them. And then uses that days of Noah to talk about baptism. Those eight people who are saved through the water. So we also are saved through the water of baptism and brought into this relationship with Jesus. It's interesting when we talk about this first part of the chapter here, that's part that's kind of hard to hear about being in submission and being humble. And those sort of things that we talk about with wives and husbands, we get down here and all of us are called to do that to people who are being wrong to us, those people who are insulting us and repaying us, we also are called to not strike back. It seems like even harder than those other verses we had at first. But basically, Peter is encouraging us to live for God. And that's, in fact, where it's going to go in the next chapter, chapter four, which we're going to deal with next week. But with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening.
Hello, hello, Quinice Petway here, co-host of the Your Daily Bible Verse podcast. Are you someone who loves to take a deep dive into God's Word, one verse at a time, to explore His will for your life and desire to draw closer to Him? If that sounds like you, I'd love to invite you to head over to lifeaudio.com and search your daily Bible verse to tune in and subscribe for daily inspiration, life application, and spiritual transformation through the in-depth exploration of God's Word.